0: Welcome to the Equipping You in Grace podcast. We are so excited that you are joining us for the show today. This podcast aims to explore a biblical life view in a conversational tone. Let's join our host and founder of Servants of Grace, Dave Jenkins, for today's episode. Thanks so much for listening. Welcome back to the Equipping You and Grace podcast. My name is Dave and I'm the host for this podcast. And with me today, I have Dr. Robert Jones. Dr. Jones, welcome to the Equipping You and Grace
1: podcast. Thank you, Dave. With you.
0: Yes, sir. Uh, Can you uh, please tell us a little bit about your life, marriage, ministry, and some of the current ministry projects that you're working on?
1: Yes, I grew up in New Jersey along the coast, the the New Jersey shore. God saved me during my high school years. I date my conversion to my senior year, and uh, pretty quickly, God gave me a great hunger for His word. And I began getting some training even before college that senior year for the Bible Institute that my church hosted in New Jersey. And then from there, went off to the King's College, then in Briarcliff Manor, New York, met my wife-to-be, Lauren, who also was a student. We graduated together. We dated for uh, two years after that. Uh, I went to Trinity Uh, Evangelical Divinity School in Deerfield, Illinois, near Chicago there, and she moved out the year uh, before we got married, and then we got married. I did an internship for one year in the northwest corner of Iowa, came back for my final academic year at Trinity, and then from there moved to West Virginia, where I pastored for for almost 19 years in West Virginia. During that time, we had our two children. I have two children now who are adults, uh, and I have uh, two granddaughters as well, and a wonderful daughter-in-law. And uh, during that time, I also continued to study biblical counseling and did some writing. In fact, my first book on anger was "Uprooting anger that I did during uh, the end of that period of time. But I also uh, did training at Westminster... Seminary studied under biblical counselors uh, for a doctorate ministry degree, David Pallison, Paul Paul Tripp, Ed Welch, those those dear brothers of mine. And after uh, a few more years in the pastoral ministry, moved to Wake Forest, North Carolina, which is near Raleigh, and taught for 12 years of biblical counseling at Southeastern Seminary. And then three years ago, I moved uh, to Louisville kentucky where i now teach at uh, the southern baptist theological
0: seminary again teaching uh, pastoral counseling biblical counseling christian counseling well that's wonderful it's isn't that isn't that it's amazing to see as i talk to you guys involved in the biblical counseling movement the the influence of ccf and them going to philadelphia to study at westminster theological seminary um how how is that uh you know influence how has ccf influenced your own ministry
1: well my Was as a brand new pastor, having read some biblical accounts, and there wasn't much published back in my day when I was starting mid-80s, and uh, I went to a conference, and God just put my life around through the CCF uh, conference ministry there, gave me insights into my own heart, my own life, my ministry. My wife would tell you I was radically changed, almost like a second conversion type experience for me, and God just continued to kind of teach me and help me uh, since then. So yeah, I'm very grateful to my brothers there. Hmm,
0: that's wonderful. Dr. Jones, do you have any forthcoming uh, mi- project writing projects that you'd like to tell us about? Well, one of the privileges as I've been given is uh, opportunities to write,
1: and I just appreciate that. And so uh, uh, this should be forthcoming in this fall of 2020, I'm sorry, 2019, the, a booklet uh, on contentment from PNR, which will be dealing with uh, Philippines for its application to a lot of daily counseling daily living type situations. The main thing that I'm working on, and won't come out for another year and a half, is a Intro to Counseling, a Biblical Counseling textbook. Uh, two other people are also uh, assisting me on that. Kind of a lead writer, but uh, we're um, sharing it fairly equally there and showed of biblical counseling. So I'm excited about that. And then there's all sorts of little projects that I've been thinking about. But
0: yeah, I'm so grateful for the opportunities God has given me. Oh, those sound great. I I'm really looking forward to reading those. Yeah,
1: thank you.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, can you uh, please tell us a bit about your book, uh, Doctor Jones? Anger, Calming Your Heart. Why you wrote it, and how is it being received?
1: Yes, yeah, this is a This is a part of a series, a 31-day devotional book, which is published by PNR Publishing. And uh, each entry is uh, two pages. We, We kept it to two pages, so it's very readable. Each entry begins with a key passage of Scripture and then some reflections on that. A passage, some explanation and some illustration, some application. Then each uh, entry ends with some um, things to reflect on and some action steps that you can take. And so the 31 days are really just a summary of a lot of what God's Word teaches us about anger and how to apply it, how to apply God's Word in our daily living. So it's been fun. I I really had three audiences in mind. I, I tell people that I I had the audience in mind of just the average Christian uh, and uh, myself at this point, and just others I know. It's a daily common problem. We're always tempted to be to be uh, upset, frustrated, and irritated, and really angry at people. But also had in mind the uh, practitioner, the pastor, the counselor, the, the godly friend, the small group leader who might want some materials that they can. Uh, help disciple and counsel and, and mentor people in. And, and, you know, I, I have a third audience somewhat in mind. It, it, it was it was for me. It was an opportunity for me since I had written a larger book called Uprooting Anger, oh, oh, 06, so, you know, 15 years ago or uh, something like that. And it was just a good opportunity for me to re-reflect on God's Word, to go back and think about it, but think about it from a different angle now and how to really uh, create a devotional feel to it, something that someone could just pick up and, and take five or ten minutes and just reflect on and and deal with it so designed then for that person the average Christian who wants to grow but it also can be a helpful tool for those who see anger as a definite problem in their life or for those uh, uh, who are mentoring and counseling and shepherding people just as like as kind of a homework assigned and a growth project or a small group can decide we're just going to spend you know, a couple months on this particular um, uh, topic
0: that way Dave. yeah I think that it uh, definitely accomplished all three goals and, and I just found it um, I found it to be really helpful well written, as as with the others in this series that I've read, just uh, very very uh, you know focus on on scripture, but also very personally practical. A, a lot to really chew on in a, in a short amount of space, as you said, and um, just really appreciate in particular this uh, this book as we'll as we'll talk about it. Um, so so thank you for your thank you for your work, sir Dave. I want
1: to give credit to some folks that are kind of unseen in, in book writing. That the more I've written, the more I realize this how much my editors have been so, so very helpful. This book has been edited by a couple of friends of mine and then more formally
0: from uh, PNR and all oh, editors are, are jewels uh, if you know you as an editor thank them this week hmm, you're welcome how about, how about that yeah. <laughs> I'm an editor I'll take okay. I'll take the compliment I'll take the encouragement you, <laughs> I'm just kidding no no really no that that means so much to, to people who edit because you know we get all sorts of pushback all the time and, it, and, it, and it's difficult it's difficult to, to uh, um, deal with that in a, in a in a loving and godly way but but helping the writers see you no know, that that really needs to change uh and um so yeah appreciate those those words to editors uh they need them what are what are the four assurances people need in order to deal with their anger well i i saw
1: that uh read the book, my brother, so thank you. That's good, because right out of the shoot on day one I mentioned how important it is, as we begin this fight, this 31-day this journey, to recognize four things uh, that we will face temptations and trials to become angry. This is just common. We live in a fallen world. Mm. And and that our struggles are, are not unique. We are not alone in this. There's other people around us, other people before us. Anger's been around for a long time. Um, and and I, I'm thinking of First Corinthians 10-13, where God promises us that temptations that we do face these hardships will not be too difficult for us to handle as long as we handle in God's way and uh, I guess that's a fourth assurance God does promise that he will help us through this he provides the the forgiving grace Parting grace we might call this for when we blow it but he also promises that enabling and powering grace to teach us how to handle it and that's where the scriptures just come alive uh, in terms of how to deal with problems like anger
0: that's really good um how does paul's principle of putting off the flesh and putting on christ help christians who struggle with anger well, this is a mega theme in the scripture we see this in the old and new testament i think we probably
1: particularly you mentioned and asking me that. And Paul has this principle of putting off and putting on the principle of godly replacements. And I find it very helpful because there's a sense in which we can become very defeated if we think that we only have to kind of get rid of something. And, and well, what do I do instead? Or how do I handle this person who's provoking me or this coworker or this, this spouse or son or daughter who is irritating me? How do I handle that? Do I just have to shut up and I mean just kind of somehow get rid of anger and excise it in some way? Or are there ways that God wants me to proactively learn to handle that? And how to how to learn patience and how to learn to speak kindly and gently and uh, some of the put-ons that this talks about. The classic passage that many of us would turn to would be in Ephesians 4:31, where Paul tells us to get rid of all forms of anger in verse 31. It's like six words Paul uses and just and like, like he ransacks a thesaurus in his mind and just says, get rid of all this stuff. But then what does he say? He says, Ed, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. And so there's this sense of putting on active replacements and God enables us
0: to do that. Uh, the one reason that I that I really like the book is um it, it reminded me of God's work in my life um which you know In my in my in my childhood, I had a real big problem with anger, and and that's putting it mildly. And I was just reminded reading it how far the Lord has has worked in my own life to help help address this address this issue that needed to be addressed. And even in my um even in my early thirties, I I had to go through a period of intense discipleship um to further learn to be gracious and um with others. And you know, I think that Christian leaders do need discipleship, continue discipleship. No matter how how long they've been a Christian, um, and uh, it was just a really good encouragement for me just to uh, to keep reading on this this subject. I was I was interested in this uh, book not just because of that, but also because I I, I, I like this series and I appreciate your work. But uh, it just reminded me, you know, sometimes we we have to. What helped me um, in that in this uh, in my walk on dealing with anger is uh, is just seeing people rightly, um, seeing them as image bearers, seeing them. Um, through the eyes of the chief shepherd helps me just to slow down um helps me to to keep self-control um to to remember that person i'm speaking with has (laughs) they have sins and they're dealing with things and i'm not the only one that's uh has stuff um so there was a lot of there was a lot of selfishness in my in my anger um that i that i can see now many years later
1: Walking with the Lord, I think God saved me uh, more than forty years ago now, and uh, I would like to think that I've uh, I'm done with the anger problem, but, but I'm not. And uh, as a Christian and as a pastor and as a professor, I've had to uh, receive help on how to think about my anger, and I've counseled uh, many an angry Christian and many an angry leader as well. And so, so we're not we're not immune to this problem, Dave. So I appreciate your honesty. And I, I echo some of your.
0: Feeling. Why is it so important people understand the righteous wrath of God before we talk with him about the right about righteous and unrighteous anger? What
1: was it? in which we all need to understand the righteous wrath of God if we're going to understand and appreciate the gospel at all, let alone grow deep in that. And so by understanding God's righteous wrath, I think the first thing is that we we will just understand the gospel better, and then understand the gospel better, we will then have a better way to look at ourselves. Mm. Uh, But but in terms of specifically looking at uh, the concept of righteous anger, I think there's a lot of ways in which people can... uh, we, we, we can fool ourselves into pretending that our anger is indeed righteous, but when we compare our anger to what the Bible teaches us about God's anger, I think we see it's, it's, it's different. There's a sense in which God really understands that uh, that what God is angry about is, is the issue of sin. I think sometimes for us, Dave, it's more a matter of, uh, unfortunately, it's our preferences, or he didn't do it the way I want it done, she didn't say it the way I want it said, and we're living in the area of uh, personal preferences, not issues of actual sin. And the other thing you, you see about uh, Jesus, particularly when you think about a righteous anchor, is how he was just focused solely on pleasing his Father. There were so many things that people did to Jesus himself while in this life, even before the cross. And then, of course, the cross magnified it all that mistreatment, severe mistreatment physically and uh, verbally. Other actions done toward you know, against him, and gossip about him, and in none of those cases, as you read the the narratives of the Bible, you find Jesus getting angry. But when he got angry, were times when uh, people were destroying his father's temple, right, bringing the money changers there, and uh, times his own disciples prohibited the children from coming to him. And and the time one of my favorites is in Mark three, where uh, the Pharisees were trying to stop Jesus from healing a man on the Sabbath day. And those are the cases that the scripture tells us that Jesus Christ became angry, but it wasn't about his own life. It was about his father. And that's the beauty of, uh, of godly anger. It's, it's focused on God. I, I wish that I had more of that kind and uh, less of the kind that I sometimes
0: exhibit. Me too, brother. Me too. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. For sure. Yeah. You know, I, when I think about righteous anger, I, I think about, uh, just to, just to help people, I think about, you know, um, we might, we might be upset about, uh, uh, an example that I use is, uh, sex trafficking. So we could have righteous anger towards the, the, the person that, you know, takes that child away and sells them and, um, sells them away, you know, but then we cross over huh, how quickly it happens that we go into unrighteous anger, uh, when we, we want to physically Harm them, or even worse. But that just helps. I, when I use that example, it helps people to see that the difference between righteous and unrighteous anger.
1: Yeah, that can be a, easily become an opportunity for sinful vengeance to erupt, and a kind a kind of hatred against the other person
0: that would not be. Um, a gospel kind of uh, response. Yeah. How does prayer help address our our issues with anger?
1: Yeah. I one of the things that I've actually in more recent years, Dave, and I I, I think this has been lacking in some of my earlier writing and teaching on this uh, topic, even of anger. Um, let me let me back up by by let me start by saying that uh, a lot of the popular therapies in our day, even Christianized versions of um, various kinds of popular psychologies tend to focus on how my thinking is to affect my behavior and what uh, we might call in broad terms in the counseling world a, a cognitive behavioral approach or various variations of that where I'm to uh, just change the way I think, and that should change the way I act. And, and, and there's a lot of truth in that in terms of even how the Bible talks about uh, the mind being renewed, ingesting scripture, and obeying the Word. But the problem with those therapies, and even the Christianized versions, and even I'm afraid sometimes our, our, our Bible versions of that, is that it excludes the need for a person. We don't believe, as believers, that we sanctify ourselves, that merely we just read our Bible and make decisions internally and act them out. We believe that the Holy Spirit of God is needed, that Christ is the change agent through the Holy Spirit. And, and therefore, we must connect with the Lord if change is going to happen in our lives. So I say all that to say, yes, prayer is vital, probably more vital than I have realized mm. over the years. And it's It's very vital that we talk with God, uh, talk to God, and with God about our anger issues, even as we concurrently. Uh, meditate on the word and reflect on, on God's word to us. It's about
0: both end and not an either or. Yeah. I have a, I have a practical example. I was I, this is probably about three or f- no, four years ago or so. I was in my pastor's office and I was teaching a men's Bible study and I had a difficult guy and this guy really irritated me because it felt like he was questioning everything that I said. <laughs> and that just uh, it, it was every week, week after week after week. And um, so my pastor at the time said, this is when I was living in southern Idaho he said you need to pray for him and I said actually said I actually said no <laughs> uh but but he knew he knew that I, I was gonna I, I was gonna pray for him <laughs> otherwise we would have had a larger conversation for sure but uh, I ended up praying for him and it ended up really just uh being kind of like really revolutionary um it just it just changed the way that I interacted with him um it changed the way I saw him first off um I had a, I had a more of a, a caring disposition about him because here I am. I'm praying for him daily, and that just that just changed. Then I started. Then I thought, you know what? I need to start doing this with other people, and so I did. And that just that that just kind of revolutionized everything. So I really appreciated this chapter so much because I, I think that you know, even, even for a seasoned Christian and I've been a Christian since I was five and now I'm 38. Um, it was just such a, there's been a lot of pivotal moments in my Christian life. And that, that was definitely one of them where I, where I grabbed hold of that in a more meaningful way and actually applied it. And I just, uh, I just think that this, this particular chapter could really help people to, um, to get that like me who, you know, they might know, okay, I need to pray for that person, but, but what are the, what are the benefits of it? Well, it'll, it'll really help you. It'll help you to, to see that person. Person as your brother and sister in Christ, and and to, to care for them one of the most caring, loving things that you can do for somebody you know whether they're a Christian or not is just to pray for them, and, and so that's been so helpful for me in 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 my ministry.
1: Yeah, I, I appreciate that. Let me let me. Uh, I, I think I've heard kind of two things from you. Let me see if I can summarize what one thing two things I'm hearing. One is your sense in which prayer is a, is an indicator of where our heart is at, and so you know maybe our initial unwillingness or reluctance to want to pray for someone might tell us that we're actually a little more angry than we thought we were and then sometimes even the way we might pray would be an indicator of a selfish heart but that the same concept of prayer then becomes not just an indicator but it becomes part of the solution because i I agree with you that when you choose even against some of your struggling feelings to to pray for that person and ask god to bless and work and help that person it really does god does use that begin to change our our, direction of our heart i've seen that
0: too in my own life you're exactly right you said that better than i could thank you (laughs) appreciate that yeah that you're exactly right for those who struggle with anger what are what are some strategies they can use to that can help them when they start to feel anger coming on
1: i think one of the most important um truths from Scripture, and it is unpacked in one of the devotional days, James 4, that tells us that the source of our anger is not the other person, but our own heart. Um, James asks the question uh, uh, you know, where does anger come from? What causes fights and quarrels among you, James 4.1? Don't they come from, and uh, we might say, don't they come from our neighbor, our spouse, our kid, our boss, our church member? But the Scripture there says, don't they come from our desire? that battle within us. And, and so for me, one of the first places to start when you feel that anger coming on is asking yourself, uh, what is it right now that I'm wanting, that I'm desiring so much, that I'm, I'm demanding? What is it that I, I, I'm demanding right now that I think I have to have, that I, I think I must get, or, or that I must not get, I, I need to avoid completely? What is that thing? And if I can begin to recognize that, and then just as we mentioned a few minutes ago, that we would then be able to talk to God about that, and that we would use the Scripture to think about it. I have an image here of how a, a demand, a desire becomes a demand and begins to uh, ascend the throne of our heart. And there's a sense in which repentance or change occurs when we begin to dethrone the demand and submitted under the lordship of, of Christ. If I can just mention another book that I've done called Pursuing Peace. It develops that more thoroughly, the idea of a desire that becomes a demand. Um, that, that's a concept that I think is important. And so then what do we do? We talk to God about that. And then one other thing in terms of when a, when an anger feeling is starting to come upon us is, is to have a favorite verse or two to seize that verse of Scripture, remind yourself of it, talk to God about it. I think of a verse like uh, Proverbs 19, 11. A man's wisdom gives him patience, it is to his glory to overlook an offense. Uh, I think of Proverbs 29, 11. A fool gives full vent to his anger. And So I'm talking to myself and to the Lord. Lord, right now, I'm left acting like a fool, Bob, you're acting like a fool. Or, or just one other one that many have seen, and I've seen it too, Dave, is uh, James 4, 6. Uh, but, but God uh, He gives us more grace that is why church, scripture says God opposes the proud gives grace to the humble so Father help me right now to shut up to, to listen and not respond mm-hmm. in
0: a sinful way mm-hmm. well you kind of answer this next question uh, the, the, definitely the first part of this question but I'll ask it anyway and I'm really interested in your answer what, is, what does it look like to overlook sin and are there particular times when we should do this um, and times that we shouldn't
1: yeah I think when I think of overlooking or it's uh um, overlooking, depending how you understand me, I get covering over sin, is just recognizing that I sin in a thousand ways that I don't see, that God is just ongoingly patient with me, that He does not confront me every time I sin. I fail to love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, probably every day. And I fail to love my neighbor, my wife, my friends, my kids, probably every day of my life. And there's just a whole lot of things that God could go after me about if He Wanted to. He's patient, he's gracious with me, he shows me a sin, my sin. And so that's what I think of overlooking, just kind of forbearing, letting go of those minor things. But um, you are asking about are there particular times when we do need to confront and deal with those things that are more serious? And again, I don't want to try to give commercials, but it is a whole chapter 10 in uh, Pursuing Peace where I give a lot of uh, answers to the question of when do you overlook and when do you confront? And uh, what are the prerequisites that you need to do first and how do you go about doing it? But I get to shorten that, simply to say that times when these are serious sins. Times when they're sins that are repeated and patterns in someone's life. Times when a person seems trapped and caught up in sin. That's a like Galatians 6 guideline, I think, for us there. Times when... Uh, Someone's testimony is being jeopardized. I think of fathers or mothers whose uh, sin is maybe injuring their children. I don't. I don't mean physically. That would be an obvious call. But just more of those attitudes or angry words that kids are learning. Um, those kinds of times, we just have to ask for the Lord to give us wisdom and on when if we should bring something up and then wisdom on how to do it and when to do it.
0: Yeah, uh, I could say a lot of things as well on this subject, and I'm sure we could spend the rest of our time talking about this this uh this has been um what you said is just so good just a practical example i i know in early in, early in my uh first few years of marriage i i didn't do well at this at all and <laughs> That caused all sorts of problems, um, and I had to learn. We had to learn to tell each other, "Hey, you know, let's uh, let's go both go pray, or you know, have more space, have some space, cool off, pray each other with pray separately, and then you know, come back and talk." And that's just been so helpful for for us, um, helpful for me, <laughs> helpful for my marriage. You know, I can't talk for my wife, but uh, you know, it's uh, leading with "I'm I'm sorry" and getting specific about that when you when you come back and and. And, you know, if you I've th- I found I don't know about you, Dr. Jones, but I, I found that when I when I'm starting to get, feel upset, that's the time when I don't need to say something to my wife. The first thing that comes to my mind is is the least helpful thing at that moment, obviously. And I need to go. I need to go pray. I need to be quiet or I just need to overlook it in the, in the sense that you said so well. And um, that that has that has helped tremendously. And then to come back and say, you know, this is that this is how I felt in this particular situation and then, um, we're able to talk through how did, how did she feel? And not, not just how I felt, but how did she feel? How did those types of things and, and work through it? And that's, that's just been, uh, really, it's been a game changer for my wife and I. And, um, they've been able to, to work through things in a much, uh, better and godly way and been able also to help other, other couples, um, and those who aren't even married to, to um, deal with s- some of their communication issues as well.
1: Yeah. Uh, for us, we're heading on to uh, 36 years coming up here. It's been uh, 36 years of marriage. And uh, I, Laura and I have both recognized that even in the last, I don't know, five years, it seems like we have actually tried to be more conscious of what you just said. That if you were to look at our fights now compared to in the past, I think you'd notice uh, a slower. Uh, a slowness or it's slower to, to respond to each other when, when we feel things are escalating I think we're learning how to just close our mouths and a piece of counsel that I give to many very couples Dave is, is the first person you need to talk to when it's escalating is not your spouse the mm. first person you need to talk to is the Lord and just as you said you put it very well brother that just now let's get alone let's go to our separate corners. you know use a boxing metaphor but just to regret with the Lord and talk with him and back to some of those key verses to remind ourselves of. And then reapproach approach it with. Uh Hopefully, with the spirit given, uh, we found humility and be willing to say, "Hey, I was wrong. But you forgive me."
0: Yeah, it's really good. How do those who struggle with sinful anger learn to be patient and gracious with others?
1: You know, the starting place for me is always going to try to take me back to the gospel, and and I know that can sound cliche-ish, and I, I fully recognize even in saying that. But when I look at a passage like Matthew 18, not about church discipline, but about that great parable about forgiveness. And I realized that I, before the living God, have incurred a multi-million dollar debt over the course of my life, a billion dollar debt, unpayable debt, just as Matthew 18 describes that servant. And then that servant goes out and uh, is impatient and tries to uh, to exact a lesser debt from the other person. Now the master hears about this and is upset by that. I have to recognize that no one. This is a this is a sentence that I don't know if it's an up language, but it's in pursuit, Um that um, that no one has ever sinned against me as much as I have sinned against God. Mm. But when you think about uh, loving the Lord and God with all your soul, mind, and strength over the course of however many years you've lived on this earth and. Not Uh, loving your neighbor the way you love yourself for as many years and for me it's it's 60 years on this earth and that's a mountain astronomical figure you know cha-ching cha-ching (laughs) cha-ching let the debt rise god has been gracious and forgiving for me and i have to understand that and it's the It's not going to stop me if I need to talk about a serious matter with someone, but it does go a long way in terms of whether I'm going to bring something up or even if I am going to bring something up, that I'm going to learn to to be patient and and gracious, I think, as you put it. Yeah, it, it, it takes work. It takes time. It's growth. It's progressive. Yeah,
0: and it's hard god's but, but
1: god's doing it and it's hard but, but yeah. god's in it that's that's what i want to say that that the spirit of god is within us and he doesn't give up on us even though you may have blown you know we may have blown it a thousand times even even this week he's not done with us and he has an agenda i find that very exciting
0: mm, yes indeed what are what are some principles that pastors and counselors should use when counseling those who struggle with sinful anger i, I
1: find that anger People can be. I just remember as one of my mentors would put it angry people are incredibly defensive. Hmm. And, you know, if someone who's anxious or worried or depressed, you can kind of maybe come in there. You know, you have to do a basic measure of listening, but, but you can give some direction fairly quickly after you've listened. Angry people sometimes are less resistant. I just, I know me. I don't want you to tell me what to do. If I'm fearful, I welcome you reminding me to trust the Lord and pray. I'm angry, I'm not looking for much uh, advice from you right now, brother or sister, right? Uh, (laughs) So I think for us, we must learn to get involved, listen, allow the person to share what's frustrating to them. Uh, As another one of my profs once put it, we have to learn to linger uh, over some of the suffering that they're talking about in order that we might really understand what it feels like for them and then how we might then help them see how, this angry response is actually an enslaving response and it's it's keeping them from becoming what christ wants them to become Mm. it's blocking your ability to grow and follow christ and i want to help you i understand why you're upset you've shared that with me it makes sense to me but i don't want you to stay in this
0: angry mode i want you to be what christ wants you to be Mm. it's really well said really well said i I found that just loving the person As, as you said just sitting there and and listening and and, um, it is really the most uh, loving thing And, and maybe not even saying anything, just maybe them sharing and then praying for them. I know some people will be Maybe maybe not all the time, but that, that can be just as, as loving and most helpful, you know, in, in some situations, uh, especially when dealing with those who are angry. And I, and I can say that as somebody who <laughs> has definitely struggled with sinful anger. Um, that has definitely been the most helpful thing. You know, not somebody approving of my sin or saying, it's okay that you're angry or anything like that, but just listening, letting me uh, share about how I feel and then praying for me, maybe even giving me a hug. That, that just, just some really practical things that break down walls and then, uh, yeah. then I'm definitely going to be more prone to listen to that person when they uh, say, uh, say those hard things which I've, I've had to hear many many times I
1: just re- we talked to a young man who was hoping to get a ministry position and it was looking good he was going to become a staff pastor in a church and uh, he learned it fell through and evidently you know, disappointed on that and that was a brief conversation but just just put my hand on his shoulder and said him, can i pray for you and uh, it was brief it wasn't a long prayer it was after a church service had ended there were other people around i didn't want to make too big of a thing out of it but yeah it was evident he was very disappointed it was um, I'm not sure how much it was sadness versus anger at this point. Maybe a, a combo of both ends. They're often found together. But just as you said, uh, listening, um, a touch, and, and a prayer can go a long way in helping uh, angry people. And and that and, and you may not get very far in terms of talking about God's truth in that first uh, interchange or that first session, if it's more formal counseling, or that first breakfast, if we are just trying to disciple a guy. But uh, or, this works both genders, of course. Women have their own
0: forms of anger. And then um, followed up, hopefully, with going deeper with the person. How does biblical lament help address anger in our lives? You
1: know, it's a missing category or underplayed category, I think, in modern evangelicalism. Others have said that. Uh, I do think it is missing. It's, it's been missing like, sometimes in, in, in hymnody. But what do we mean by lament? Uh, let me just be as simple as I can put it talking to God about what's bugging you, what's bothering you, what uh, someone has done. Or said or not said or not done. It that, that irritates us. And I think as you read through the scriptures you find that God's people are responding to mistreatment and other forms of provocation, but there's godly and ungodly ways to do it. And so the godly way is what we call lament, and I think the ungodly way is what we might call blasphemy. And I, I try to help people just reframe the way they think about it because converting from blasphemy to lament is it, a major step but it's not uh, not as complicated as you might think. So let me tell you what blasphemy sounds like, and then I'll tell you what lament sounds like. God, this is what blasphemy sounds like. God, you are wrong. You are not good. You are not holy. You are not caring. You're not loving. You're not in control. That's blasphemy. That just goes against page after page in our Bible. But here's Event sounds like, God, I know that you are good and sovereign and holy because your Bible tells me that and I believe it. But for the life of me, God, right now, I don't see it. I don't get it. You don't seem to me to be good and kind and loving and caring, not in light of this trial I'm facing, this trauma I've experienced or even this little mistreatment by my son or daughter or boss or co-worker or whatever, my spouse. And so the Psalms are probably one of the first places we go. Uh, the Book of Leviticus of course, would be an extended form of what we're talking about, where what, what you have in Lamentations, Dave, is that is that people go to God. They don't go to God with a always a pure heart. They don't have to figure it out. But they go to God in their anger. They admit their anger. They go, to God, they go to God with their weakness, and they know, Lord, I don't get it. So how long, O Lord? Why, O Lord? But there's a fundamental faith underneath it that takes us to God and not away from Him. So that's what we really want to try and encourage people to do. And and sometimes when we're ministering to people, they're not able to do that. And so we have to so, sort of model it for them and then assign a psalm, one of the psalms for the person just to meditate on and see how David is talking to God about some hard things. And he doesn't have it all figured out, but he goes to God. And that's what I emphasize.
0: That's really well said. Really well said. What advice do you have for Christian parents struggling to deal with their angry ch- child?
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, an entry I included on day 31 that I was realizing as I was writing this, this book that uh, I needed to bring something in on this and I hadn't done anything yet so I kind of stuck it in the end and just encouraging people to think about this matter I, two things come to my mind when I think about parents and dealing with angry children one is our own model of how we deal with frustrations because uh, anger presumes there's something provoking the kid there's something the kid doesn't like and we have been children and we've been teens and we've been young adults and, and we've been mature adults now and we have to realize we had to learn how to handle that so we've got to model it. and when we blow it when we uh, display a patience we have to ask our kids to can, can forgive us we've sinned against that the second thing is just learning to Talk with our children about their own hearts. So plenty of good stuff coming out in our day on this, thankfully, on dealing with a child. But uh, talking to their children—a a phrase that I just remember from um, my my dear mentor, David uh the children's I sees. the I uh, I'll tell you a funny story on this. I was in the uh, Westminster Seminary's bookstore, and it was just kind of a you know an old smelling type, you know, old bookstore, right? And, and the this, this sacred grounds of Westminster Theological Seminary. It just this, you felt the history when you just walk around these stone buildings. And I went into the bookstore, and I looked at all these different books that were there, these church history old tomes and all that kind of stuff. And I looked in the area of pastoral council, and I saw a stack of books. And it was uh, the, the Berenstain Bears and uh, get, get a Case of the Guineas. And I was like, what on earth is this doing in Westminster?" Well, it's in the Palace of Assignment for one of his courses there. And it's so spot on because my children, and even they're grown now, and now I have grandchildren, so I get round to opportunities to see the Gimmies, to see the I-1s, I've got to... Uh, help uh, my children deal with their I-wances. I want suits. I can remember sitting at the bedside of one of my sons after another one of my sons had done something that irritated him. Uh, the son I'm sitting next to on his bed was crying and, uh, daddy, and that kind of thing. You know, I, I just really never said, you know what's happened here? Uh, this desire for this, that it had to do with a particular toy, this desire has you by the throat, and I just kind of put my hands on his throat, not by it anyway, of course. <laughs> by the throat it's choking you wouldn't it be wonderful if you could come to the place where you didn't have to have that toy You have to have your brother treat you a certain way. Mm. Now, he's a little kid, and did he get it that day? I I don't know. Hopefully, he got a little bit of it. But this is where, month after month and year after year, of constantly showing the hard issues going on with our children and continually taking them to Christ. This is what Jesus died for. This is why he suffered on the cross. And he he did this for you, and he wants you then to to know his grace and forgiveness and his help the, the next time this comes around. So I just want to encourage parents. You can do this and uh, again some of the writings, I do
0: think this, this devotional will help to you. Um, we, we can grow as parents in this area. That's really, really well said. Really well said. Um, there's a lot that we haven't covered uh, in the course of this interview. I mean, we could, have, we could really talk for a long time about some of these things. Um, just as we wrap up this conversation and as people uh, go ahead and pick up your book, Dr. Jones, can you give us just a few takeaways that you would have listeners uh, to take away about this book and this topic as a well? whole? Yeah, I
1: want to emphasize what I just said. This is solvable. I mean, not, we're not going to be perfected in this life, but, but you can grow. I've seen uh, men and women. I've seen it in my own heart. I've seen my wife. Um, I've seen people pro- pro- progress as they just keep uh, praying and reading the scriptures and practicing it. But, but I want to add one thing that we haven't even talked about today, I'll, I'll be brief with it. And that is, don't do this alone. This is where the body of Christ is so crucial for us. I think of the corporate worship where I worship on Sundays, it's glorious for me. and I'm just reminded of uh, God's grace in my life through the singing of godly songs, Christ-centered music, and worship songs. I, I, I emerge from there with a, a greater love for the people in the church and for my family and uh, small group life, being involved with others. Having men or women who know what's going on in your world and uh, people that you can go and talk to, and I just encourage you, if you're a listener today, who's dealing with some anger issues, uh, yeah, I recommend the book, but uh, more important is God's Word itself. And that you share it with a, a, a friend or two that you're struggling with these things. And ask him or her to pray for you and uh, maybe to share some scripture together. Mm. Um, don't, don't do this alone. The Lord wants to use others in your life. And it may only be one or two people. Obviously, you want to have someone that you can trust. But uh, God has a way of using others to help us deal with our anger problems, too.
0: Mm. That's really well said. Well, Dr. Jones, I really have appreciated the time that you've given to me and to our listeners. It's been a wonderful conversation talking about this very challenging subject. I know that a lot of people struggle with it, and I'm praying that they'll they'll find help through this book and through this conversation. So thank you uh, for your time and for your continued excellent work at, at your local church and also uh, through writing. And uh, I know you're heavily involved in biblical counseling, traveling, so uh, we're just there very—I'm th- I, I, just going to say on behalf of everybody, we're, we're just very thankful for your work, sir.
1: Well, Thank you for the opportunity
0: to be with you today, brother. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that you were encouraged by today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review wherever you get your podcast. For more uplifting and thought-provoking content, please visit us online at servantsofgrace.org. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram servants of grace and on facebook at facebook.com slash servants of grace we hope you have a blessed day and we will see you next time